I do want to share with you from Mark chapter 3 today, but I, I want to bring some context to um, this, this very short passage in Mark chapter 3 where Jesus appoints the 12 apostles. Um, but let's just take a minute to pray and just uh, see what the Lord has for us today. And I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture uh, because I think it's just important. And uh, like Kelly just said, God speaks to us through his words uh, and through his word. And so um, it's an honor and a privilege to just be here and, and, uh, and, and sharing, your, sharing the words of Jesus with you. And whether I say something or not that, that speaks to you is not my goal. I want God to speak to you today. That's my heart, is, and that's what I've been praying for you, that as you come here this morning, that God would speak to you, however you need to be spoken to, because he has a great plan for your life. So let's just pray. Father, we love you, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of your plan, to be a part of your purpose that you're doing right here at the bridge, and in Paris, and in France, and around the world. Um, we know, God, that... Um, that your word is powerful, that it is alive, that it is uh, life-changing. So, Lord, as, as we go through just some different parts and passages of Mark today, God, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts, that our hearts would be open and ready to hear from you. And we just give you the thanks for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let's just stop. I know we're going to be doing some things differently at the end. Kelly's going to be sending us off and praying for us in, in, uh, towards the end here. But let's just take a few minutes. And we've been talking through Mark. We've been reading through Mark. Uh, if you've been reading along the study guides, uh, the reading guides, we've been reading through it. But I just want to take a minute to recap, to just bring some context to what I want to say. And so let's just start off in Mark chapter 1 again, verse 1 through 8. It says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah the Son of God. It, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And verse 4 says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Let's just skip down to verse 7. He says, and this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I am. And in fact, the straps of his sandals, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. Verse 8 says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? You're baptizing Jesus. But just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God was making known at this moment that Jesus was his son. Wow, what a powerful moment. Now let's skip on down to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. It says, After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And his message was much like John's. And he said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. 
repent and believe the good news. As John walked beside the Sea of Galilee, or as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, I like how it says that, without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Mark three thirteen through 19. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, which Bartholomew's name was actually Nathaniel. He was the son of Tholomew. Bar is son of and Tholomew. So his name was Nathaniel. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, which actually is not a really cool name. It actually means mama's boy. So sorry, Thaddeus. So, so if you name your kids Thaddeus, you've got your mama's boy right there. So Simon the Zealot, he was kind of a political out outcast and just a, you know just a, a zealot a political zealot and then you had Judas Iscariot whom you might know of as the one who betrayed Jesus and so I getting to this to, to this message uh, it, it, I didn't really title it but if I if I did title it if I put a title to it I'd say when Jesus follow when Jesus says follow me when Jesus says follow me what happens and so this is the kind of heart that I'm going behind here and is what I've been praying like, Lord, what do you want me to bring from this? Because I kept coming back to the, to the pointing of the 12 apostles. But when we look through and we just read through what we just read through, what do we notice? There was a great spiritual awakening happening, right? There was just an, a, what, what we would call or what I, I have a church background growing up in the church and the Christian you know, community. I mean, this is what I would call a revival. There was a revival. There was a spiritual awakening happening in this in this time. And and here was this 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 rough dude coming out into the wilderness, out and just preaching a message that was that was so contrary to the message of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time. Right. And so here's John preaching: repent of your sins, believe the good news, and. So, so what was he saying to them? Repent of your sins. Let me just put it in the simple terms as I can. He's saying what you're doing right now is not working for you. Turn towards God. Okay? What you're doing trying to, to, to make your way into heaven, all the rules and regulations, you're, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. So repent and turn to God. It was that simple. And believe the message that I'm speaking to you. And that's when he said, look, I am... I am I am just nobody, but, but there's one coming after me. I might baptize you in water 
And, and I'm, I'm kind of whetting your appetite as what was going on here. But he said, there's going to be someone coming after me. The one that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. The one that was spoken by long ago by the prophets long ago that would come and redeem the world. And he is coming. So get ready. Prepare your hearts for him. That was his message. And it happened. It came to pass. We saw Jesus was baptized by John. Jesus, when Jesus showed up, here's the thing. John, when he was preaching in the wilderness, there was a spiritual awakening. There was a hunger. There was a stirring. But when Jesus showed up, things got really out of hand. Amen? Things got crazy. And so here it is, this fulfillment of this prophecy coming to pass. John is baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. And here, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to fall like a dove upon Jesus. Woo! Come on now. The Holy Spirit of God descends upon him. And then a voice booms from heaven. I don't know if it was a boom or what, but I, ima I always imagine, because you watch those videos or whatever, it's like, you, you think, this is my son. <laughs> but, 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 but John also, he said, look, before he baptized him, he said, look, the Lamb of God... Behold, he said, behold, you go back to that King James Version, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then God confirmed it, the Father confirmed it, and he said, look here, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And so here, it's just wow, you, you talk about the presence of God, the Spirit of God moving and changing people's lives. I don't even think the people got what was happening. They just knew that they were hungry for something new. They were spiritually dead, and now they were becoming spiritually alive. They didn't, they didn't quite get it, but man, they said, this is the real deal. This is what's happening, and I want to be a part of that. And so you've got these guys there that, that later on, Jesus, and we'll get to our, our, our main text here, but... Some of them are already following John because there's this spiritual hunger. And then Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, you're over here fishing for fish. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But do you really want to do something with your life? Follow me. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to do the things of God. Follow me. And so here's these guys. They're just... Okay, I feel compelled. This guy is legit. He's the real deal. And so we get to Mark chapter 3 here, and I just want to take out a couple of truths here. Because, you know, you could go in, if I had four weeks of a series on this, you could bring out some deep theological truths, how uh, some people believe this was a judgment on Israel, how he chose the 12, and there was always 12, the tr 12 tribes. You could go into a lot of deep theological stuff, but... The way I roll usually, and you know this by the way I speak, is I keep it simple. Because that's what Jesus has always done for me. He's kept it simple in my life. And so I just want to bring out three simple truths here this morning. So the first thing that I want to note, though, is that Jesus put a lot of time in prayer. When you read the Gospels, you need to read them. It's, it's difficult to just look at Mark and say, hmm, he, from 3 to 13 to 19... This is what Jesus did, and that's all of it. No, this was just the account of Mark. You've also got the account of Luke and Matthew, and you've also got the account of John, who also sprinkles in some details in there as well. Luke 6.13 says, Jesus spent the whole night in prayer, praying for these guys. 
he went away to the mountainside. They were, and he spent the whole night in prayer before he even spoke with them. And that is something that really speaks to me. Is like, Jesus prayed, I better pray. Before you make decisions, before you make decisions on the things of what God is leading you to do, it's important to pray. It's important to put yourself in a position to where you can hear from the Father. And if Jesus needed to pray, hey, I think I should pray, right? But it wasn't just some kind of a random act that Jesus did. you got to realize that Jesus had been going around. He had already started his ministry. He was already starting to draw larger crowds than John the Baptist was drawing. And so you had people crowding in on him. You had people beginning to follow Jesus and kind of saying, hey, this, this is the guy that John spoke about, so we're going to follow him. And, and you saw him beginning to do miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. So he's like, hey, you know what? I've got to draw away from this. Sometimes we need to draw away from our busyness for God and get close with him so that we can hear from him. So that's just a little side note there. But one of the coolest things about this passage that I really love is that Jesus calls the ordinary, not the extraordinary. Jesus calls the ordinary, not the extraordinary. When you look at these 12 men that he chose, it wasn't the all-star team. It wasn't the dream team. If you were today, you had, if you had an opportunity to put together the, the, the greatest football team or whatever sport you want to do, you needed 12 guys, these guys wouldn't be it, right? These guys were not well-educated. They weren't anybody to really note. Like, they, half of them were fishermen. You had a... a, a as a tax collector who was kind of like the scum of the earth, according to the Jewish people at the time. Like, just really, a, what, what in, in my southern vernacular from the U.S. would say a real ragtag group of people. You know, they just, they, weren't, they were kind of rough. They weren't very, you know, well-mannered, probably. They probably even had a bad mouth and a, and a, and a temper at times. And, and so here's Jesus saying, hey, Come follow me. But isn't that the way God works? Paul said it well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I love it. I love it. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. Wow. I can really relate to this. <laughs> I, I often, even, even today, you know, I've been in ministry. I've been a follower of Jesus for many years, for 20 plus years. And I've been in ministry for a lot of that time. And, and I often still think, God, who am I? Like, oh my God, I'm so not worthy to even be called your follower. But Jesus said, hey, this is how I roll. <laughs> right? He said, this is how I roll. I, I chose you, Joel, because... 
maybe because you're not so well ed or well-rounded. You're not so polished. I chose you to bring glory to my name, not to your name. I remember that day 20-something years ago, June. Uh, it, was, uh, it was April 7th, I think, 20-something years ago. I, I stepped in the foot of this little local church. It was a, an Assemblies of God church. Uh, and uh, wow, the Spirit of God fell in that place, and it spoke to my heart. And, and basically, God spoke to me that day. He said, hey, I want to use you, Joel. I know that you're messed up. I know that you got issues. But I'm calling you, and I want to use you. Some of you know my story, and I'm not going to go into it now. But God... If God can choose me and use me, wow, he can use anybody, I'm telling you. I was a messed up, drug addict, alcoholic, dependent upon everything except God. But God said, no, I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to use it for my glory. God can use you for his glory. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. And so I just want to say that today, Jesus is still calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He's still calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And first and foremost, he's calling us into relationship with him. And that's what we learn when we read the Gospels. He is calling us into relationship with himself and with community. Being in relationship with Jesus makes you a disciple makes you a follower of Christ. You say, well, what does that really mean, being a disciple? You're a follower of Christ. It's that simple. But then later on, Jesus gave us the command to make disciples. And how do you make disciples? Well, Jesus gave the perfect model, community. He called these 12 guys out of the crowd. Now, there was a lot of people there. And it's not to say that he didn't know any of these people. He knew them, and he knew some of them better than others. But he called that 12 out, and he said, you guys are the ones that I want to live in community. And so here we are, seeing Jesus make disciples. That was his model. He's calling us to a relationship, and he's calling us to community. Amen? Does that make sense? That's one of the most extraordinary things you can ever do, is give your life to Jesus. Amen. I know you think, man, I want to do these great things for God. But, well, first, you might just need to surrender your life to him. You know, First, you might just want to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a committed follower. and I'm going to find myself in the community of God. Because that's where you make disciples. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. You see, I, I believe that there is a spiritual awakening happening today. We look at what was happening then, but I look at what is happening now. And I believe that there's a spiritual hunger. There's an awakening happening. There are people who are coming back to faith in Christ. And there are people coming to Christ for the very first time. Even in this nation. Even in this nation. I have neighbors, I have people that I've met in this nation. Never heard the good news of Jesus. They've seen a form of religion. They've seen something about God. They might even wear a cross around their neck, but they don't know the power of God. They don't know the relationship of God. They don't know who Jesus is. And so I am telling people about Jesus for the very first time. And their eyes are being opened and they're saying, wow, there's something different about this message than what I've heard. 
And so there is a spiritual awakening. There's a spiritual hunger. But it's got to go beyond that. And that's what Jesus was saying. And I want to make this my point is when, when we look at the early disciples, we just see imperfect, ordinary people who were on a journey of understanding who Jesus was. Jesus invited them into a personal relationship and he invited them into community. And that's what we model today here at the bridge. We invite people into a personal relationship with Jesus and we invite you to be in part of the community of God because that's where you're going to grow. We look, we, we can read it. We, we can see Jesus. And that's the thing. These men had been with Jesus already, I said, but they had been following since the, the beginning of his ministry. They'd seen him do the miracles. They'd seen him perform signs and miracles and wonders, heal the sick and all kinds of cool things. And they were like, man, this is cool, but I'm, I'm good right here. I'm going to follow over here. That's, that's his thing. That's his thing. But Jesus was thinking ahead. You see, they didn't quite understand the big picture. Jesus knew that he had come to save the world from its sins and that he was going to be the one who had to carry the sins of the world to die upon a cross and, and to do all these things. But they didn't get it. At that point, they were just saying, hey, this is great. I feel more alive than I ever have, but I don't quite get it. And Jesus is saying, that's okay. You don't have to get it all right now, but come and walk with me. Come closer to me, and I'm going to teach you. And for, for two years, a lot, when you read this passage, you think, well, they, they went, must have went out automatically. No, it was a time of discipleship. It was a, time, it was a process that these guys had to go through and draw closer to Jesus. And, and you can see, as we read through the different accounts of the Gospels, they, for two, at least two years, maybe even longer, they walked together, they ate together, they laughed together, they prayed together, they even got angry and argued with each other. What does that sound like? It sounds like a family Sounds like a community. That's what, that's what Jesus modeled, and that's what we have to do today. And it was during this time with Jesus, it was during these interactions and being a part of this community that they began to understand who Jesus was more and more. They began to take upon his character. They began to understand, like, hey, this is actually bigger, maybe bigger than just the political kingdom of Israel. This, this actually might be about the spiritual kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And their eyes were beginning to be opened. They were becoming more like him. The more time you spend with him, the more you're going to be like him. That's, that's true for anything, though. The more time you spend with someone else, the more you become like them. The more you feed your soul and your spirit the things of the world, the more you're going to be like the world. The more you feed your spirit and your soul the things of God, the Word of God, devotion, time to prayer, community, you're going to become more like Jesus. It's so simple. Yet we, we often... We want to stay at a distance. And see, that's what I see about the disciples here. They were like, this is good, but I'm, just, I'm good with following at a distance. And there's a lot of us like that today. But you see, there are going to be times in your walk with Jesus that he goes, he says, I want you to follow more than just at a distance. I want you to 
move into that purpose for which I have called you and created you for. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me tell you something. Your life is not here by chance, and you are not here by chance today. God has called you to do good works. Not to boast in yourself, but to boast in God. Say, I am weak. I am foolish. I am, I am despised. I am nothing. But God is great, and God is good, and he can use me. He's saying, don't follow at a distance. Draw close to me, because when you draw close to me, things are going to change in your life. You become more like Christ. But with that said, I just want to say this as well. Following Jesus oftentimes leads us out of our comfort zones. How many of you are comfortable? You like to stay there, right? I, I like to be comfortable. I know not everybody has the same giftings and... God leads us to do different things. For, one, for me, I, I love to do street evangelism, but my wife hates it. She would rather somebody shoot her than go do street evangelism. <laughs> like, literally, she would rather die and go to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm here with you. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. Don't make me go talk to somebody about you. <laughs> but sometimes God pulls you out of your comfort zone to push you into something to affect the destiny of someone else. It requires sometimes obedience and sacrifice beyond what we think we can give. Sometimes it requires facing persecution and trials. In fact, that's what happened to the disciples. They were persecuted and faced a lot of trials. But we have to do this in order to move into what God has called us to. And this brings me to my last two conclusions. Is Jesus is calling us to carry our cross. Mark 8.34, I'm jumping ahead here, and you may come to this again in this study, but Mark 8.34 from the Amplified Version says, Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to follow me, if you want to be my disciple... He must deny himself, set aside your selfish interest, and take up his cross. What does that mean? It means you need to do whatever it takes to follow him. That's expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. Good times, hard times, low times, high times. Are you willing to follow him at no, what, no matter the cost? And endure it. And he goes on to say, And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying because of faith in me. That is heavy, to be honest with you. And honestly, I, I get it. It's not a message that we like to hear today in the world that we live. It's all about, it is all about self making you the most successful you that you could ever be, so that you could run the most successful corporation that you could ever invent, so that you could have the one most wonderful house and car, and that's just the society that we live in, and I get it. And look, I'm not saying that those things are wrong. 
by any means, but if that is in conflicting, if that is conflicting with your walk with God and what He is telling you to do, and you're not walking in obedience because you're more interested in those things than you are in the things of God, then you need to reconcile that and say, God, forgive me. I realize that I have not been willing to carry my cross. I do want to be your disciple, and I'm willing to take that step. It's countercultural, but it's what Jesus taught and modeled. My last point is this Jesus is calling us to surrender. If Felipe, if you want to come and just play something for a minute, just to, we're going to close this out right now, but. I just want to remind us, we can't, it, you know, I, this might even be the last time I ever preach at the bridge, maybe, but if I could leave you with one word, I would say, Jesus is calling us to surrender. Not only surrender our lives to him, but to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because here's, here's, a, here's a very important key in, in this, doing what Jesus has called us to do. We can't do it in our own strength, in our own power, in our own intellect, in our own wisdom. At, before Jesus left to go back to be with the Father, if you know the story, he died, he was resurrected, he, 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 he walked with the disciples for 40 days after that to give them proof that, hey, this is really me, this really happened. I am the Savior of the world, and I am God. But I've got to go back to God, but listen, I'm not going to be leaving you alone, I'm going to do what John the Baptist was talking about, and I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is always good on his word. He's just going to do what he said he would do. And he said, look, John baptized with water, and he's talking to these guys, these, these close followers of him. You got to think there were still people following at a distance. But he's saying, hey, look, you guys, I know you don't get it right this minute, but you wait. You wait on the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you with power. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. And that's what happened. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost... There was about 120 of them gathered. That's not including, they didn't record the women and children that might have been there at that time. But there was at least 120 of them. And they were in this place in Jerusalem. And they were waiting on God. They were seeking His face. They were saying, God, we're waiting on you. Holy Spirit came and it was like a light bulb went on in their spirit and in their head. They knew their mission. They had a clarity of vision for the first time. They understood why Jesus had to leave them. And they, they, they preached the gospel with boldness and clarity like never before. There were literally thousands of people being added to the church on a daily basis. Baptized, repenting of their sins, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were sending out other disciples, raising up other people to go and do those same things. Because that's what Jesus had promised them. He told them, he said, you are going to do the things that I'm doing. Do you see what I'm doing here? 
healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. I'm sending you out to be my emissary, to be my apostles, to be my authority upon this earth. And you're going to go out and you're going to preach that message with boldness and clarity. You are going to move in the power that I have and you're going to do even greater things. Isn't that so awesome? So I say today, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I believe there's a spiritual awakening happening here at the bridge and in this city and in this nation. And we want to be a part of it, Lord. And we want to be the ones, God, that, that you are calling to yourself, Lord. To say, I'm going to move you into greater things. And Lord, I pray that as you move us into different directions and different ministries and different opportunities of preaching your good news, I pray that you would help us, God. Lord, will you help us bear the cross that we might have to bear? Holy Spirit, will you fill us up? Holy Spirit, will you fill us up like, like we've never even imagined? May we be vessels, God, in your hands that are being used to shape our culture and to shape this world and to advance your kingdom like we've never believed or seen before, God. Jesus, we acknowledge that we need you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that we need you. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of it. Thank you for letting us be a part of your kingdom.